with Tim O'Malley, Pete Sampson about to join us. I'm Tim Priester. This is Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Thursday, September 9th. We're a couple days away from Notre Dame's home opener against Toledo. The Irish 1-0 after the overtime victory over Florida State. Tim, we just spoke with Brian Kelly. And uh, we also have news uh, regarding Lawrence Keys, which everybody found out about last night. We'll start talking about Toledo here in a second. But um, let's talk about who do you want to talk about first, Xavier Watts or Lawrence Keys? Those are. Uh, uh, I think Xavier Watts is more interesting, right? Uh, Lawrence Keys is leaving. We got that. Xavier Watts being moved to Rover. I asked Brian Kelly if they have, right now they have two by two at all three linebacker positions, and that's scholarship. I wondered if walk-ons would be moving. Instead, it is Xavier Watts to Rover, which allows Jack Kaiser to cross-train at will. And I think you and Pete kind of discussed that on Monday. That could be an option um, for Kaiser when they lose players. And and that's it because, Tim, you mentioned um, Kia could move back from Viper, but he's in Viper because someone else is missing from Viper. Yeah, we don't we, we don't know about Botello yet. Uh, well, I mean, as far as uh, when he'll be available, he won't be available this weekend, nor will Sebo Flemister. Uh, Logan Diggs will be available. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're getting closer to narrowing down exactly what it is. Could it be suspension? Uh, if any two players would be in line for missing a couple games, it would be, it would be Flemister and Botello based upon, um, some, some off season stuff, uh, that occurred, but we don't know that for certain Diggs is back. He's passed uh, protocol. Interesting that not only is Watts moving to Rover, but Brian Kelly said he's playing this week. A, he's going to be on special teams, and B, they're going to find situations where he can he can play a little bit of Rover. Well, special teams makes a lot of sense, even if this move didn't happen, because think of it this way. Shane Simon's on three or four special teams. Maris Leofau's on three or four special teams. Kevin Bauman was on at least one, if not two, special teams. Then you add, you figure you can no longer use J.D. Bertrand, on as many special teams because he's a starting will with no backup other than Prince Colley. Right. Prince Colley's co- probably coming up to special teams that the special teams are going to be interesting for Toledo and Purdue. Uh, there's, there's a lot of new faces. I guess you could still use Bo Bauer because he's your best. Um, but boy, you don't want to lose another linebacker, right? You're getting no, Jack, you don't, Kaiser's but... on it. Jack Kaiser's on every special team. I mean, it's, it adds up. Yeah. They're going, they're going to have to at least uh, investigate, look into some alternatives. Um, because, I mean, Bauer, it, inevitably, the the first time he's on the field, he makes a tackle. Yeah, he's I mean, just about just about every, just about every time that they they go they turn to special teams um, to begin the game. But um, let's real quickly before we jump into Lawrence Keys, I want to give a quick rundown of the surgeries because Brian Kelly said they've had more surgeries, you know, than certainly than they would hope at this point of the year. But Blake Fisher had surgery to repair meniscus damage. Uh, eight, he said it was eight weeks for him. So you're probably looking at um, coming out of the bye. Hope, yeah. uh, or or that, might be, that might be close. Maybe if not USC, then, then North Carolina. We'll see about that. Kevin Bauman uh, had a uh, fibula fracture. They expect him to be back in six weeks. Shane Simon <clears throat> tore his labrum and is having surgery right now. He is lost for the year. Um, Paul Mawala, Achilles, obviously lost for a year. Diggs is back. We talked about Botello and Flemister, and, of course, Maris Leofau had the season-ending injury, or we should, we should, regular season-ending surgery. Right. We should point out what you said before this broadcast, Tim. This does not guarantee Botello and 
Flemister didn't have COVID because they could have tested positive for COVID Thursday. Exactly, exactly right. They'll be out this week. But as you said, we are one step closer because if they're unavailable next week, then it is no longer the situation. And we can always, of course, monitor the uh, the old binoculars get to come back out like the Stefferson days. I get to look at the sidelines looking for Patello and Flemister and if they're available. Right. If they're not available for Purdue, then you start saying, OK, is it four weeks? Is it longer than that? I do want but to know I mean, that the four week thing is not a Brian Kelly discipline. It is in the Notre Dame student disciplinary student athlete disciplinary handbook. It's. If you test positive for marijuana twice, you are suspended for a four games of inter. What uh, once is a warning, and twice is four we, games. We are not. not we are not saying. We're not saying that that's what this situation. No, not at all. But everybody wants to know about the four game thing. We say <laughs> three or four games. There is no four game. There is no three game suspension from the university. There is no. Uh, there's a season suspension. There's kicked out of the program. There's four game suspension. There is even a two game for different things. So Brian Kelly is not making up these times. Um, now Brian Kelly can say you did something wrong that we frowned upon in the off season. I'm suspending you for one game or two games or three games, but the four game thing and the six game and all the, the technical things we have seen in the past, those are student handbook punishments that have nothing to do with Kelly. Pete Sampson has joined us. Pete, we're going to we're going to give you an opportunity to comment on these things, but I I, I don't want to push back any further our commentary about about Lawrence Keys uh, deciding to leave the program, finish the semester. Brian Kelly said he needs eighteen hours of classes this fall in order to earn his degree. Let's start with that, and then we'll branch off and get your opinions on uh, Xavier Watts and some other things. Yeah, I, I mean Lawrence Keys, I, I think always was more potential than production. Um, he played in 21 career games and had 18 career catches. He got five snaps at Florida State. Um, you know, Avery Davis almost never came off the field at Florida State, except when they went in two tight ends and he was targeted zero times. So it's like he was backing up a guy that wasn't really involved in the passing game anyway. Um, and Lawrence Keys is not somebody that, like Avery Davis, you can get away with. You know, could you block that linebacker on this run play? Yes. Lawrence Keyes was not somebody you could ask to do that. So it's Lawrence Keyes to me was, it was always an interesting player in theory, um, but in practice was just not somebody that fit into what Notre Dame wanted to do as a, as a power running team with multiple tight ends. Um, and he just wasn't as good as the other guys on the outside. So it's, you know, when you're a senior, you got to play. This is your, this is really your last chance. So I, I, I can understand the decision on his part after being probably incredibly frustrated on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, clearly he's, he's frustrated and he, you know, early in his career, he was, he was chasing, uh, gaining strength. And then he's, he's had a series of, of injuries, including a couple of weeks ago when he got kicked in the shin and, and missed some time. So you can certainly understand his frustration, but you know, I cringe when people say he wasn't given a chance. I mean, he, you're given a chance every day in practice. And as I've said, and I've written here today, I've never known a coach that sat a guy that gave them a better chance to win. Coaches just don't do that. Does do some guys get disciplined for a short period of time? That's not what it was with, with Lawrence keys. They didn't, they didn't believe in him. I mean, I, they, I know that they, the way they fed them, the, him the football in the spring in the blue goal game, you figured his opportunity was, was coming, but, Again, I, I and and getting to what you said, Pete, about Davis and where he is in the pecking order and their need to use multiple tight ends, it, it just it wasn't going to happen. And so it's it's probably a smart move by him. He's not 
you know, he's not invested enough, I guess, for the rest of the season here to stick with the team. And, and you can certainly understand his frustration. Uh, as it relates to uh, – go ahead, Tim. Just battle a lot of injuries, and that is not if, – if you're not in and, – and the injuries that you have to bounce back from maybe sooner, and that's – I guess that's being harsh because I wasn't the one injured. Right, but right. People, but people, are hurt. people are hurt. People get hurt all the time in football, and, and your ability to get back from it is important. It wasn't like – there weren't torn labrums. They weren't situations where you couldn't come back from it. So I, I think that you can't if – you, if you're on the fringe and you're not on the field, you're off the fringe. Yes, exactly. Uh, Pete, your thoughts on uh, Watts's move from receiver to rover, and sounds like uh, they're prepared to play him right away, which is uh, – I, mean, be- I believe that when I see that. But I, Speaking but I, of Avery Davis, um, you know, a guy that – who knows, maybe he's sort of the next guy who's like, we need you over here right now. Um, you know, I, I don't think that's a long-term move. Because, um, like, if, if you had asked us – where's Xavier Watts going to play on defense? I think we all would have said corner or safety. I'm not sure which order we would have said it, but we would not have said Rover. Um, There's nothing about a Xavier Watts that looks like Jack Kaiser or Isaiah Pryor. So I think this sort of helps him get, helps Notre Dame get through the year. Um, Certainly it's not a great, I don't find it to be a great situation for Xavier Watts, um, but that's what they need right now. So you know, it's, it's good for Notre Dame that he's able to sort of suck it up and do it. But that's, that's, that's a tough, probably a tough pill to swallow for somebody who felt like maybe he was close at receiver to being the sixth guy. Yeah. And there, there, I mean, I think there were some frustrations internally with not getting an opportunity to play receiver last year. So you can imagine um, the frustration here, but throw, throw some playing time, at him the opportunity to play. And I think most football players will say, yeah, I'll, I'll take it and give it a shot. But he's, you know, he's under six feet tall. He's listed at 195. Uh, not exactly the ideal size for somebody setting the edge. Uh, Jack Kaiser was just talking, <laughs> talking last week about, you know, the Rovers say, hey, we have to be the guys that set the edge. I think that's going to be difficult for Watts. I wouldn't, I personally wouldn't have looked at him as a corner first. I would have said safety. And I don't even know that I would have considered corner so I might have said safety and then a lot of times safety's transition to, to rover but no that was that was the last thing on my mind that Xavier Watts would be playing rover this week against Toledo this is one thing I agree with everything Pete said and you too Tim but there's one thing Xavier Watts does do that looks like Isaiah Pryor and I bet he runs in free space at a rolling out quarterback very very fast and if Jack Kaiser has to work over at, at will and Isaiah Pryor has to play 60 snaps sometime at rover all of a sudden Pryor comes out for the role that he Watts would enter the role Pryor used to be in. I mean, you know, this is definitely throwing him a bone. Like, Hey, we just lost a wide receiver. We don't want to lose another one. How about you come start on special teams and we're going to work you in as a blitz. Yeah. I mean, he's not setting any edges, but he can go. The reality of this situation really is that we're going to see more Jack Kaiser. I mean, you're not going, you're not, he can, he's certainly capable of cross training and you're not going to, you're not going to run. Uh, Xavier Watts and, and, and Prince Collie out there ahead of Jack Kaiser under the circumstances. I think we're all very, very interested to see Prince Collie play, uh, and it will start with special teams, presumably this weekend, and then we'll go from there. Quickly, let's uh, and we'll we'll entertain some questions about Toledo in the in the second segment. But 
uh, Toledo, I, you know, D line, I kept saying, man, I really like this D line. And then I finally came to the realization that Larry Black, the former Nordam grad assistant who everybody respected when he was in Nordam a couple of years ago is their D line coach. So, um, when I finally remember that and came to that realization, it's like, okay, well, this guy is, we knew he was a good coach and he's done really good things with their D line, but I generally considered their running back. Kobach is considered the best in the, in the Mac, their wide receivers are considered the best in the Mac 24 seven sports has um, named them the top recruiting class in the Mac in the last, I think four or five years. It's a good football team. It's a good Mac football team. Yeah, I mean, and they they bring back everybody, right? Like it's it's an incredible amount of returning production. I think they were number one in the country in terms of returning production in the offseason. Uh, and they have uh, former Notre Dame linebacker Jonathan Jones as well. Yeah, that too. So how about this? Uh, how about this? Talented group. Their top 20 tacklers are back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just hard I mean, to do. You've never heard like, anything like that. One of them's one of them has subsequently been injured, but their top 20 tacklers returned. So it's, I mean, it's a, it's a talented team for the, but it's a talented team for the Mac, right? Like um, it, there's nothing about them that makes me think Notre Dame should be seriously, seriously pushed, but they're good enough to like hang around for a little bit. I also think they're good enough that Brian Kelly and his staff would never follow the uh, practice plan they had for Ball State. Where let's see what everybody can do, and let's start an entire yeah. second unit. They're, they're, they will be a fully respected opponent because, and they probably learned from that lesson. I would, I would think. You would hope. Yeah, yeah I, t- I talked to Rocky Boyman again. I talked to him a couple weeks ago, but I talked to him specifically because as as I was trying to find Toledo film, uh, I know that he covered the Bowling Green game uh, with Toledo last year. So I talked to him yesterday morning, and he said. And I, I don't, when I look at the numbers, I don't know that this bears itself out in reality, but he said he thought their offensive line was, was really big and comparable to power five conference teams. Now the numbers don't specifically say that, but um, their O-line is good. I really, really like their center. I think he's a guy that has the potential to play uh, on the next level, if not at center somewhere along the offensive line, probably a guard. Uh, Jamal Hines is their, is their pass rusher, number 91. I really, really like him. And I mentioned Kobach and they have, they have some receivers. And I, now their quarterback is the son of, yeah, a son of Gus Bradley, the head coach of the Jaguars. So, I mean, he's a football savvy kid, uh, led them back on a little bit of a rally against ball state last year, but, uh, it's a, it's a good football team. I, I it's, it's a team that, uh, can definitely play with Notre Dame at least for a portion of Saturday's game. Tim, what do you got? Well, talking to Kyle Rowland with the Toledo Blade, he really felt that, like, I, you know, in these matchups, I try to pose the last couple of questions are the other team. This game, Toledo will stay close for three quarters if. Toledo will threaten Notre Dame if. And the three quarters one he kind of took as, look, this is, it'll be a bad sign for Toledo if they don't stay, if they don't fight for 40 minutes, you know, a 60 minute game. If they're not in this for 40 minutes, they're not as good as I think they are. Or they could be, they might not challenge for the Mac. Just now stuff happens because you could be, you could be very sound and still Braden Lindsay's a way better athlete than your defensive back is. Right. And he's running by you. You can be sound and Michael Mayer catches six passes in a row and Kevin Austin all of a sudden's open. But I, I think people that follow Toledo believe they will come to play and uh, we'll be out athleted in the end. Segment two, burning up the boards, coming up next.
Let Irish Express take care of your game day travel. Ride in style to South Bend from Chicago by motor coach with a full bartender, bathroom, and Wi-Fi. Upon arrival, enjoy an all-inclusive tailgate, and after the game, head back with refreshments. Visit irishexpress.com to book your reservation today and save 10% when using the code IRISH21. Burning up the board, segment two, we start with a question from Judge Arthur Vandelay. How do you think the Notre Dame offense will come out Saturday? Do you think this is a game where Notre Dame tries to get the offensive line and rushing attack going, even if there's limited success early in the game? I don't think they're going to force anything on Saturday. If they can throw for 366 yards again, four touchdowns, they'll do it. Um, I, I don't, especially with Blake Fisher out, I might feel a little bit differently if Notre Dame's offensive line was the line that they thought they were going to go with the rest of the year, but it's not. Um, I would, I would not intentionally go away from throwing to Mayer, throwing to Austin, throwing to Lindsay for the sake of trying to get the offensive lines run blocking combinations figured out. I think what Brian Kelly said use the word efficient to describe his running game. We figured out this was going to be a passing team that would pass to set up the run. That is an approach many successful teams use in the modern era. (laughs) That's what Notre Dame is going to follow for this season. Also, it is their strength. And number two, they have no choice, right? They won't line up and run over everybody this year. So play your game. Well, I think you have, I mean, you have a choice this weekend, but I, I agree. I don't think they're going to make that choice. I think they're going to choose to come out and what, you know, you come out of the the Florida State game thinking, "Hey, we're pretty good throwing the football. We have confidence doing it." You'll you'll have plenty of opportunities to run the football, but what you don't want to do is is intentionally bog yourself down if you're having right. trouble again. It's a good, de- you know. I said against Florida State, and it's true. Florida State has a good defensive line. Toledo has a good defensive line as well. So, I'm not saying that first play won't be a run or that they won't you know, give, give their, their two quality running backs an opportunity, but I'm not sure that, why would you want, why do you want to do that? I mean, do what you know you do well or feel confident that you can do well. And if Tommy Reese likes to come out and throw the ball early on, he's done that. He did that several times last year. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't do that this time around. You have plenty of opportunities to get your running game. If you establish your passing game first. I would like to see the offensive line get its pass pro cleaned up with Carmody in the game because I, I, I know for how much sort of um, blowback Reese got for the way the offense played in the, the fourth quarter, it was Kane Madden getting beat inside on third down that ended one drive. And then I believe Patterson got walked back into cone on the next drive and Carmody's guy fell off of him and sacked cone. Then the next one. So like Notre Dame's pass pro in its current offensive line setup, I, I would almost like to see that get, tuned before I would say like, I, you know, I'd, I'd like to see Notre Dame try to run the ball on third and three, just because. At too many times when, when an offense bogs down, the knee jerk reaction is, Oh, they, they became conservative. But as you point out, Pete, you have, you have, you have breakdowns, you have breakdowns uh, along the offensive line. You have incomplete passes. You have a sack. It, it's not, I don't think I, when you're up 18, yeah, okay, you want to run a little bit more clock, but I don't think they intentionally got conservative. No. And I, think I mean, often- it's like, yeah, just to say, like, 
you look at the run pass breakdown, if sacks are passes, because they are, or or like there was one play where Cone fell forward for a zero-yard uh, run, but it was a pass play. They tried to throw it more than they tried to exactly. run it in the fourth quarter. Exactly. Yeah, I, it just – I it, it's – and here's the other thing. Um, I think the offensive line will show more cohesion because they won't have to go to a silent cadence. And I want to ask Brian yeah. Kelly when the time is appropriate that how frequently do opponents have to go to a silent cadence in Notre Dame Stadium? I don't know. I mean, not I don't, this weekend. I, yeah, it, it, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know that that happens very often unless it's a really big game. Uh, it, but I don't have any way of knowing that. Uh, certainly they do on the field. Now, to be fair, I'm guessing them, uh, Florida State's opponents weren't going to heck of a lot of silent cadences in 2019 when they were rolling in against that junk team they had either. That was a pretty big game for Florida State. Yeah. Zeke 42, do you think starters playing special teams led to fatigue in the second half? I think the defense was on the field a lot. Um, I don't, I meant to have the numbers right in front of me and they, they you know, and you could being in the stadium and I imagine watching it on TV too, that you could just feel it. I mean, you could feel it and see it. And Pete, you asked about after the game. I mean, I, yeah, they got, they got worn down. And when you have guys like, you know, key players on special teams running up and down the field on punts and kickoffs, it certainly adds to it. Yeah. It, Cause it's, I mean, looking at the special team snaps, Bo Bauer 27 prior 26 Bertrand 20 and that's Bertrand on top of 70 defensive 70, snaps. Yeah, 72 or whatever it was. Um, you know, even si- Simon played 20, you have to replace those. Probably those are all to go to Prince Collie. Um, but you know, Isaiah Foskey covers kickoffs in the same position that Chase Claypool covered them uh, back when he was here. And I, I wouldn't say that Isaiah Foskey looked tired toward the end of the game. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, like you said, the, I think what contributed the defense wearing down was the defense being on the field so much less than starters playing special teams. Yeah, and you, you you want to play some starters on special teams. Like We always laud Alabama for doing it. When Notre Dame doesn't do it, we say, well, Brian Kelly doesn't take special teams seriously. Well, they're taking special teams very seriously. They have the best players out there. Now, against Toledo, Kyle Hamilton should not cover a punter kick. That would be absolutely right. ridiculous. But uh, uh, Yeah, it's like F- Foskey doesn't need to be out there this week. No, no. Um, you got to be careful. You can't put your whole second string out there because then Toledo starts at the 45 all the time. And that you're not trying to do that to your defense either. But, yeah, there's – you're getting some guys off this week, clearly. And Brian Polian even kind of announced that was going to happen. We asked him about Kyle Hamilton. He said, I have talked to Coach Kelly. He will be out there judiciously, which Florida State makes sense. Yep. Not Jay Tafel one. What is the biggest mismatch for Notre Dame in this game? Is there a mismatch? Uh, I mean, whoever's trying to cover Michael Mayer. I think athletically across the board, Mayer, uh, you get you get Lindsay with a step, you get Kyron Williams in space. You get Chris Tyree with the step. There's there's a lot of athletic. But you get Kevin Austin on anyone. Let's let's add Kevin Austin to the Michael Mayer until they play a top tier All American yeah. threatening corner. Let's add Kevin Austin to no one's covering. Yeah, well they do. They they're the two best players for uh, Toledo are Roback and Womack. Roback the running back. Womack the cornerback who has led the MAC. Well, there's wow, a lot wow. of Macs. Jeez, this is a lot of Macs. <laughs> I know. Led he Womack led the Mac in passes broken up in both 2019 and 2020. So they do have a very good Mac cornerback that will be tested. 
Speaking of Mack and Roback, didn't Derek Roback transfer to Toledo 11 years ago? Oh, he did. Oh, Brian, he so did. they had they had they had Derek Roback, and now they have Bryant Roback, <laughs> who, by the way, went to Ken, who was a Kentucky running back before he before he moved on. But I, you know, I don't know mismatch. Well, you know, there may not be. It's certainly with Mayer. There's always a mismatch. But I mean, I as know. far as like you know, uh, area versus area, I, I do think that Notre Dame. I do think that there are some yards to be gained on the back seven of this Toledo defense. I know that their numbers from last year don't necessarily reflect that. They improved so dramatically defensively from 2019 to 2020. They shaved off more than 100 yards per game. Their rush defense went from 5.4 to 3.7. It was a coaching change that did it too. There was a coach, the guy from Mount Union, who went like 96 and eight or 98 and six coaching at Mount Union. So uh, yeah, they've done they've done some good things. Mismatch maybe a few individuals, but as a whole. I don't know. I, I mean, it, it is such a veteran team that that Notre Dame's going to have to earn a good portion of what they get on Saturday. Buzz 0711. If another linebacker is lost to injury, how does the coaching staff adapt? Who moves to linebacker? Or are we playing walk-ons? Well, yeah, I I, uh, I typed in this question before we knew about Xavier <laughs> Watts moving to to linebacker, and I still think Kia is a is a possibility. Obviously, um, but they're thin. I mean, they really can't. You know, fortunately, all, most of the guys up front there are experienced football players, and the one, the younger ones, are guys that you like and you want to see get on the field and see what they can do. Tell you what, uh, if they're beating Toledo by three touchdowns or Purdue by three touchdowns, you better get your varsity players off the field at linebacker and go ahead and give up a score. That's fine. So you, you, you want? Your... Okay, so here's a list of walk-on uh, linebackers on the roster at Notre Dame: Davis Sherwood. Colin Gutzmer, who a lot of guys seem to refer to him in uh, videos, so he must be very popular. Adam Shibley, who is on uh, special teams. That was David Sherwood, about 25 snaps. He's out there, or 20 snaps. He's out did there. I, is it Davis or David, or did I just type I, that? I wrong? thought it was Davis. It's yeah. Probably, it's, yeah. And then uh, Giovanni Gelati is, is the other one. So, um, yeah, mainly it would be Prince Collie. You know, it would be a great – hopefully it's a great opportunity for Prince Collie and Xavier Watts to get a bunch of snaps. I was just saying, Kali, I think I was kind of dismissive of him playing um, on our previous podcast and then asking around a little bit more about him. Like, he has really impressed a lot of the players on the team now who think he is going to be a star. Maybe not like this weekend, but people are really high on him. Yeah. Um, I don't know what that means for this season, but there, it's not. I guess what it means is the coaching staff is putting him out there with anticipation opposed to dread. Yeah. We have heard very similar things to that Pete, and he's definitely on a fast track, especially now with the, with the injuries popping up JC underscore M underscore F after watching the first game, what is your adjusted record for Notre Dame in 2021? JC MF says his adjusted is nine and three. I don't know where he was, but I would imagine that that's a drop based upon uh, his observation of Florida State game? I mean, there's nothing about Florida State made me downgrade the record. Um, the injuries don't help. I was going to say uh, that downgrades the record by one. Yeah, you know, that's not good. You know, but maybe North Carolina is not that great. Wisconsin is just above average, too. So I'm going to stay at 10-2, and two, um, but I think they're probably one injury away from me changing my perspective on that. 
I would move down to 10 and two from 11 and one because of the injuries, because I know these aren't the end of the injuries. Logic has to start creeping in. They weren't supposed to lose all of their wills, except for Bertrand and a Rover before they played Toledo. So more injuries are coming to this football team. Is Patello going to be out there to help? Is is Flemister available? I mean, like this is, they need to have nothing happen to them for a month, right? Yeah, and then they need to start getting some getting some guys back. But uh, you know, but again, we we the question I think is really kind of based on what did we see in Notre Dame and Florida State, and does yeah. it take into consideration Notre Dame's opponents? I mean, okay, so now North Carolina doesn't look that good. I still think they're still a very good football team, and we'll get better in game two and, and moving forward. But North Carolina doesn't look that good. Georgia Tech doesn't look that good. Stanford still doesn't look that good. Yeah, but. My one of my predictions was that they would have less they'd have more close games this year. They really haven't had that many since 2017. I was thinking like six games would come down to the final quarter. Um there's been about six that have come down to the final quarter in the last five years, actually. And now I am not moving off that. I am I am positive. Well, one's already happened, Florida State. There, there's one of the six. But I mean, these teams are great, Wisconsin and North Carolina, but that could come down to the final quarter. USC and Cincinnati will certainly, in my opinion, come down to the final quarter. Why would Virginia Tech or Virginia, one of the two, not come down to the final quarter? Right. And then you throw another one out there. So that's if you're all if that really happens, then it's hard to go six and zero, right? They're one and zero right now. It's hard to go six and zero there. Well, I, I had said eleven and one with a with a lean in the other direction, ten and two. If the offensive line doesn't do a better job run blocking, I mean, I don't, I don't think we expected it to be as poor as it was against Florida no. State. Uh, and but again, Florida State's a good to very good defensive front. Uh, but would I would I be more inclined to lean towards ten and two than eleven and one as we sit here now? I would be less than honest if I said that I wasn't thinking about that. What about this? We said we didn't expect their offensive line to struggle so much in the running game. Notre Dame's passing game was highly successful. True, and probably Florida, more than. And Florida State had to respect it, yet they easily stopped the run anyway. That's almost that's a little troubling for me. You I don't I don't know if Florida State did respect the passing. Yeah, I would game. agree with that. I think they yeah. just got beat by it. Yeah, I think they just got beat. I think they they were like, let's play the odds. Notre Dame runs the ball just like everyone else in third and one. And then I think Notre Dame had four third and ones. They threw it all four times. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that will continue until including we a fourth. I'm sorry, third and fourth and ones, and they threw yeah. it all four times. Yeah, a third and four for a touchdown, too. So yeah, there was some they hit those. Jake Stee, 72-54-0661. Yo. Needs a new handle. Needs a new handle. What do we feel is the cause of the wide receiver turnover? Is it an Alexander? Player's not good enough leaving, or is it something else? Okay, well, let's start. It started with Micah Jones, right, who was never the level of player that should have been recruited to come to Notre Dame. He just, he just, he, he just wasn't. It's not personal. It's just, that's just reality. Um, Kendall, Kendall Abdurrahman was not a receiver. He was a, he was a quarterback in high school and they tried to make the transition with him, and and it didn't work well. Uh, Jay Brunel. I like Jay Brunel coming out of high school, but the reality was that Nordin was going to bring him in as a walk-on player until a position opened up within this on the scholarship chart. Isaiah Robertson, uh, was a, was a safety that they moved to receiver Jordan Johnson, um, should have been better, was overrated. He didn't play well at Notre Dame and he can't get on the field for central Florida. So, um, 
you know, I'm not going to, you just don't exonerate a, a, a position coach. It's his responsibility to develop them. But I'm not sure that any of those one, two, three, four, five guys that I mentioned are really going to tip the scale in your favor just with their sheer ability. And now it's more, more as you would hope you could have in your program after, after a quality spring yeah. and summer, that that's probably the one that hits. And Jordan Johnson, I don't know. Would he be playing over Lorenzo Styles? I don't think so. I don't think he, no, I don't think no. he would be. I, I don't want to pretend this is my own quote. This is Eric Hansen said this, but two Johnsons caught a pass for central Florida and Jordan wasn't one of them. So that lets yeah. you know what happened at the end of that, uh, Ball camp. Yeah, I mean, they threw for 366 yards on the road and four touchdowns last weekend. So I don't, I don't feel like receiver is much of an issue. Xavier Watts, I really like though. Um, so I'm a little kind of like, huh. I thought this, I thought that would click maybe more than it has. Yeah, we didn't hear much about him in camp either, did we? No, really did not. Nothing. No, he got he got banged up, but it. Yeah. You know the 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 senior receivers as expected, step forward right away. And there's just, there's just so many, so much room in, in the rotation. I thought keys would get, you know, you didn't figure he'd get five snaps and no targets in game one. Um, but this, this, this constant, the coaching staff is screwing up. I, I just can't, I, I just can't always turn to that first. It's up to the player to impress the coaching staff. Coaches put the best players on the field. I would say, like, this is a, probably a better topic for spring next year. I'm assuming Xavier Watts will return to receiver a year from now, because if he doesn't, the three, he has three, three scholarship receivers. Well, he will, because they're bringing in linebackers, too. I mean, he's he's yeah. going back to receiver next year. It's, it's a good way to get on the field. Um, Look, obviously, Tim, you said don't absolve the coaches. I agree, but let's give Dell Alexander some credit because Notre Dame's best wide receiver wanted to stay and be coached by right. Dell Alexander. Right. You can't Kelly. you can't cherry pick what's good and what's bad. You have to comment on all of it. You would you like to lose all six of those receivers and keep Kevin Austin? Because I know my answer. Yeah, it's, well, that's a great point. That is a great point. Moving on to a question from Dad of the '90s: If Austin, Lindsey, Davis, and Wilkins, and following up on what Sampson said here. If Austin, Lindsey, Davis, and Wilkins are all gone in 2022, wouldn't now be a critical time to try to get your young receivers meaningful playing time? What is more likely next year, a young receiving core or four grad transfer receivers? They're going to get uh, me one. At least one. At least yeah, it's at least not going to be one. four. It's not going to be four, but at least one and maybe two. Yeah, Possibly. Probably. Not, maybe probably two. That's roster management nowadays. Probably two grad transfers. Uh, you beg Joe Wilkins to stay, right, as your fifth-year swing guy coming in. Kevin Austin, if he continues on this path, will not be at Notre Dame next year, and that's great for Notre Dame fans. You want him to continue on this path. You want a touchdown and 100 yards all the time. That's, yeah, Lindsey Lindsay, Lindsay needs a fifth year, but when we talked to him recently, but, he said, yeah. "What were you there when he said it? He said, yeah. you know, I, my goal is to have a great year and move on to the – get my degree and move on to the NFL. So – you know, you don't you don't play young receivers in the first month of this year, so you're prepared for next year. But you know, point taken, you're going to have to. And I'm sure. And this question was phrased before we knew about Watts moving moving to the defensive side. But Brian Kelly said today they're all in play. So carry on. 
Murphy 324. Chris Tyree only had 18 snaps against Florida State. Seems like Notre Dame has to get him on the field more. Should Tyree take snaps away from Davis? Tyree was on the field for 18 snaps and he had 11 touches on those 18 snaps. So, um, and he probably could use some more of both, more snaps and more touches so that every time he's on the field that they're, that, you know, they're not preparing for him to get the football. Um, do you think he should get take snaps away from Avery Davis? Not no. only the same position. Yeah. I know the point though. They're saying you're not taking off Mayor Austin or Kyron. So it's Davis and you're not, and it doesn't make sense for Lindsay for, I get the, I get the question because it doesn't make sense that Lindsay would come off for Tyree either. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think 25 snaps and 15 touches is a good threshold to look for Chris Tyree. And if they would let him return kickoffs, those are touches too. Fair catches aren't touches. That doesn't count. He had a bunch of touches on Sunday. <laughs> he had seven touches for no yards he had, <laughs> in special teams. <laughs> those, those aren't touches. Insane ND Tucson. Do you expect to see more Riley Mills? It seemed he was trending very positively, but didn't play much versus Florida State. Also, can we expect a Botello sighting and, and – uh, Yes, you can expect a Botello sighting, just not on September 11th in Notre Dame Stadium. Uh, Mill, like, I understand people, like, who gets snaps where, and, like, shouldn't this guy get more, or can't this guy get more involved? Mills is the only one where I'm like, why does he only have 11 snaps? Like, we need more Riley Mills in our lives. Didn't it seem like he had more than that? I, 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 you could yes. not convince me he had only 11 snaps until I saw that number. That's nuts. Well, it may be wrong. I mean, you're, you were counting up. Pro football focus being absolutely correct. I mean, they could be off a little bit. I, you know, I don't know. But the problem is Riley Mills plays the same position as Jason Amiola, and Ad, Jason Amiola is a good football player. I would agree that, that you do need to yeah. see more Riley Mills. Yeah, we will. We will. Um, you know, but you have to – I'm telling you, O'Malley's going to print snaps every week now, and it's just going to open up another can of worms as to – Who's not? Who's playing too much and who's not playing enough? But Riley Mills, eleven snaps is, I think we all agree, is probably not enough. And I'm sure, I'm sure Mike Elston leans in that direction as well. Why did Watts only get five snaps against Toledo? That's the next one that's coming up right there. <laughs> possibly, possibly. Irish from A two. Were you encouraged by the play of cornerbacks versus FSU? Well. Um, you know, the 60-yard touchdown pass was on Griffith. And the whiteouts combined for – the Florida State whiteouts combined for 10 catches for 114 yards with a long of 21 yards. So that speaks well of Notre Dame's cornerbacks. It may say something about Jordan Travis. I think it definitely does. Uh, but I think it was a strong performance. We didn't – nobody stood out in a bad way at corner per se in that game. So I think it was a uh, successful first performance for Notre Dame's corners. I I was surprised how little they were involved in terms of like being targeted on things, um, which was not dissimilar to what we saw in August where you, you went to practices and were, were sort of surprised that the corners weren't really like around it. Um, but maybe that's just how the defense was built or how Florida state chose to attack it. But I think overall you, you would come away thinking like, all right, from a confidence perspective, Cam Hart 
probably feels pretty good about him like himself. Like he made a play at the beginning of the game, gave <laughs> up a touchdown that was like that's a him, twelve though. a twelve <laughs> second play. Um, <laughs> There's nothing you then, can do about that one. Yeah, and then you know Clarence Lewis was just his pick was you know right place right time. Like it wasn't like yeah. a an incredible play on the ball, but like. I would think both those guys feel pretty good about themselves and, you know, maybe Tariq Bracey would as well. I thought that, you know, he was involved and, you know, got, I think he gave up one, at least one completion, but overall I think probably was a good, good day for him. I think we have, everybody comes up with their weaknesses for game previews and shows and mine was offensive line and corners. And I did not walk away from that game thinking the corners had anything to do with the close game. Like, yeah. Totally. Right. Totally. No, fine performance and, they weren't facing Trevor Lawrence. They were facing Jordan Travis. So it'll, right. it'll get harder, but they, they played who they played. And they did well. Okay. The question Nazi only allows like one question like this per, per uh, podcast. So what Wash ND has over under rushing yards versus Toledo, 174 and a half. Over. I'll go under. Yeah, I'm going under. I, I don't want to overreact to the, to the first game, uh, I, I'm, I going, going I'm going. I'm going. So, yeah, I'm. I'm going. I'm going under on one seventy four and a half for Toledo. J- uh, Jack Cone passing yards two ninety nine and a half. Uh, two ninety nine point five. Over. I mean, I'm going over, even though that's probably a great number to go under with your actually making bets with money. <laughs> I just think Jack Cone. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna be able to throw most of the year. And I, that's why I'm Yeah, I you know, I mean I think they yeah, I I go I, again I don't want to I say I don't want to overreact to the first game, but I still think they go over. I think you know, I think that there's at, at least a, I, I think there's 175 yards in the first half if not more. I think we're years. 2 weeks away from using the word extension and I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one defensive uh uh Oh, you know what? I was I I, I flip flop my uh, rushing opinions here. I was commenting on uh, I was thinking Toledo rushing for one hundred seventy four and a half, and I take under. And so the last question is actually defensive rushing yards allowed one hundred ninety nine and a half. I think that's a that's a that's an overreaction to the I'll first. I'll say game. way under, way way under. Yeah, yeah, that better be under. Yeah. Oh, okay, so I, yeah. All right, so let me recalibrate for rushing yards. Notre Dame rushing yards versus Toledo, one seventy four and a half. I will stick with saying under with that. And our last question of the day: Lowest Man asks, "Curious how media sources work. Is it sometimes a coordinated effort by Notre Dame to get information out to a news outlet prior to the press conference or game?" so they can gauge the media fan reaction and act accordingly? Or is there somebody inside the program, a player or a player's family, that is telling you something they shouldn't? Yes and yes. <laughs> Both things are true. Well, I... What, well, not, like, not, not juicy for yes, number one, just stuff. <laughs> yeah, stuff, yeah. That they, <laughs> stuff that they know. I mean, I, you know, I don't think Notre Dame uh, is going to address something that has not, I don't know. I don't really know how to say that. I don't know that I agree with that first one with, with you on Pete, but, and first of all, we're not talking to players. If we're talking to players, we should be banned from. No, but, I guess you have the players not involved in that. Families and then, you know, through the grapevine type stuff, maybe the player, that maybe players said to other people. Um, 
Yeah, but I mean, yeah, the yes on the first part, like, I don't think they care about media fan reaction. It's more like, hey, FYI about this, that, or the other. Like, some of the, um, this happened after Florida State. Like, somebody, the goob, texted me something. I will sort of leave it open, but like, like, something that happened in the game that was controversial and was trying to explain their point of view on it. Um, probably so I would make it my point of view. Um, that that happens from time to time. Did you make it your point of view, Pete? I'm, I'm trying to figure I out. I did. It was, in fact, it already was my point of view, but like it uh, further confirmed that point of view. And I know that like there are occasions where we're on a situation to break a story and we have an obligation to let Notre, Notre Dame know, hey, we know this. We are about to report this. And Notre Dame is good about like if we're wrong, if the information we have is wrong, they're good about letting you know so we don't embarrass ourselves and so they're not put in a bad light with a story that isn't completely factual. Does that make sense as to what I'm saying? Yes. Um, and so, so you kind of work, you work hand in hand with Notre Dame about that kind of stuff, um, and it's in it's in both people's best interest for them to say uh, your information's wrong. Right. Oh, sure. So that's what that's what happens. And then, uh, you know, uh, people like to there are a lot of people that like to tell you stuff. Sometimes defensive coordinators almost run over your sister in the cul-de-sac and then you figure something out. <laughs> you want to explain that story? <laughs> I don't know. I like leave, I just want to leave that out there. That's a fun. Oh, OK. Movie. All right. OK. <laughs> Tune in well, next week for the uh, answer to that story. Yeah, we're we're le- we're leaving a few unfinished thoughts here uh, with the last question of the day, but that's just the way it's going to be today. So we appreciate you joining us. Uh, looking forward to Tim and I, of course, will be at Notre Dame Stadium pregame to talk to you about Notre Dame You're Toledo. Not, we have predictions. I, I want O'Malley's prediction. Yeah. Look, and it's written down. It Look, I, okay. it, it's in all caps. It looked like you were going way past that. The predictions, yeah. I know. All right, hit us yeah, up, you're guys. You're about to wrap up the show. Hit us up. I was. I was. Hit us up with your predictions. I'm sorry. All right, I, Notre Dame 42, Toledo 17. I think Notre Dame will play well offensively again. Defensively, I don't think it's going to be like this complete lockdown suffocation um, performance, but I think it'll be good. I, I think people will come away more encouraged than they were last Sunday night when Frankly, in my opinion, they should have been encouraged. So perhaps this will help that cause a little bit. I am very close to you, Pete, but Dora's got to kick a couple field goals. 41-17. Feel the same way. Uh, I like Toledo to play well in the game. I just think Notre Dame, and I go back to the question that says, where are the mismatches? And Tim, you made a good point. Uh, I'm not sure if you do run defense versus this versus that. If you break it down, is there a mismatch? I think there are individual mismatches that you mentioned. And individual mismatches often change games when one is Notre Dame's level, another one yeah. is a good Mac team. I think our predictions are going to prove to be astonishingly close to one another, which is really kind of amazing. And I want Pete, I just I want to comment about that. There was way more positive against Florida State than negative, right? I agree. Way I more, sure. way but more. But the feedback positive. on like I'm sure your message boards or questions in my mailbag are just like. You would have thought Notre Dame lost. Way more positive. Than way more positive. But to be fair, the fourth quarter was way more negative, and that yeah. stick with people. 
Right. I mean, yes. it was it was so much more positive that it should not have been an overtime game in a three-point <laughs> yes, game. Yeah, that is I, true. I, I agree with that. But when like assessing, you know, what are what the records going to be and oh my God, they're never going to be able to run the football. Oh my yeah. God, they're never going to be able to stop the football. Notre Dame, Florida State was fortunate that a couple of those calls didn't go Notre Dame's way. Other, otherwise, Notre Dame would have pulled away from them. They did pull away from them. They went up 18. And if they make the correct call, I don't care what what anybody says about the the, the uh, roughing or running into the punter. If they make the correct call there, Notre Dame probably goes down and scores. And that long run by Florida State in the third quarter doesn't ha- or in the fourth quarter doesn't happen. Yeah, my my record dropped by a one, not because of the Florida State game. It's because they lost two of their top twenty players already to surgeries, and one of their backups. Yes. And then some other guys. It yeah. all that that's they're just adding up. That's not all it. right. I already uh, gave the send off, so that's it for today. Appreciate you joining us. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.